0: Brendan Power is famous internationally as a phenomenal harmonica player in many genres and also as an instrument innovator. He's invented many unique harmonicas to increase the expressiveness and range possibilities of the instrument family and is constantly experimenting. His website is linked in the description. Brendan also has a fascinating personal story in that he discovered the harmonica in his university years and changed his life in order to master it. He's completely self-taught And you may have heard him playing on albums with Sting, Kate Bush, Van Morrison, movies like Shanghai Noon and Atonement, or over 20 of his solo albums. I was thrilled to have this opportunity to speak with him. But unfortunately, we had some really big internet delays, which you may notice as a few instances of unavoidably choppy editing. During the episode, Brendan demonstrates a few of his harmonicas in different styles, and I've added timestamps to the description. Let's just say hello. Thank thank you so much, Brendan Power, for, for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Leah. Nice to um, yeah, nice to be asked. Um, you know.
0: Yes, I uh, yeah, I, yeah I found out about you through fiddler Janie Rothfield, and then I just found out about this whole world of harmonicas that I didn't realize existed. And what I find so inspiring about your story is not only that you're such an incredible musician, but that you were motivated to become an inventor in the pursuit of more expressive playing. And I find that so wonderful. So to start off, you. I know you, um, you've you developed so many cuz, and you're always uh, developing new harps. Can you show us some of those and different styles that you can play on and then we can get more into your story?
1: Sure. Um, well, I've got a whole batch of, uh, sort, of um, sort of box of different ones there and um, another box of more there. <laughs> um But maybe I'll start with this one here. This is one I, I, it looks like a standard chromatic harmonica, but it's actually been um, substantially changed. And I call it the Asia bend. So um, it just gives you lots of big bends. I was inspired by Chinese music um, to play this one. Um, So maybe if I choose um, to...
0: thank you so much
1: so that's um hopefully you recognize that
0: (laughs) yeah
1: oh amazing grace it was i did
0: recognize it and i was trying to did you
1: recognize it yeah okay so basically um yeah um i mean this harmonica just allows you to bend every note um really expressively it was inspired by the chinese instrument the ahu which is a a, a fiddle um, instrument with a kind of a snakeskin gourd at the bottom, and it's incredibly expressive. So that's what I I altered the harmonica to try and get that sort of Chinese sound. But I found it's really good for um, all sorts of um, you know.
0: Yeah, Western, that's. that's um, I, I expected you well. to play something Chinese. So when you started playing "Amazing Grace," I was sort of like my ears were wrapping around the sound. I thought, is it that tune that I recognize? And I think for. Mm-hmm. For all kinds of Middle Eastern music and Indian <laughs> yeah. music as well, that the type of bends you can do very easily.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Indian music, I just love listening to. Um, it's such a huge, um, uh, quite imposing sort of um, discipline and um, area that, um, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you'd have to almost, I don't, I feel like a, I have to give up everything else in my life and just devote myself to that to, to take it to do it justice but I do love Indian music um, but I mean it's just um, I think to do it well right yeah but really I meant for players to, in that tradition you
0: know, um, for musicians playing other instruments in Indian uh, traditions they could pick up one of these Asia band harmonicas and find the notes they need
1: Good point. Yes, um, I I did um, develop it partly for um, people in um, those traditions, you know, to to try and explore themselves. I mean, there's quite a history of um, in uh, Indian music, for instance, they've taken all sorts of Western instruments and Indianized them, (laughs) you know, like the way they play the violin where they sit on the floor and the actual um, head of the violin is in the crook of their foot. Um, supported, and that allows their hand to slide up and down without, and they don't have to support the instrument with their hand. So it means their hand is totally free to slide up and down the of the neck and get those incredible um, um, bending, um, sliding, pitch things that happen in Indian music. So that's they haven't changed the instrument. It's, well, there are there are some. There's a guy called Subramaniam, I think, who's made some amazing, weird. Um, uh, Violins, but most of them just play a standard violin, but they've really changed the whole way of playing it, you know, with the sitting down. And then there's other instruments like the, um, you know, the uh, what we call the slide guitar or the dobro. Um, there, there's, um, you know, they've really done some amazing stuff with that, the way they play, um, added sympathetic strings and, um, uh, you know, um, played in a whole mm-hmm. new way. And even on keyboards, there's um, there's some people playing amazing stuff on keyboards. And for the most recent thing is the iPad. You know, Indian music uh, musicians have just taken to the iPad incredibly well because, of course, on the iPad screen, it's just a slippery, slidey thing. And um, there's apps now yeah. which allow you to get uh, microtones, you know, between the different finger positions. And uh, there's some amazing stuff being done on iPads, actually, by Indian musicians. So, yeah, so this harmonica, in a way, was, uh, was in a you know a way to give harmonica players there something that was would give them a sound that was more um authentic for their own music um the only other thing about it is it's a pretty quirky harmonica it's an all draw harmonica most harmonicas are blow and draw you know um you blow you get a note on the breath and on the in breath. this is all draw so um it's really quite a tricky instrument to to play for anyone who's used to playing a normal harmonica so you know, it might take a
2: yeah.
0: it might,
1: you know, not get a lot of acceptance there.
0: Is do you find you might hyperventilate because it's all on the in breath? No, I mean
1: um I mean basically it's just the mirror image of um all other wind instruments apart from the harmonica, you know, where it's it's an all and out breath. Mm-hmm. You know, saxophone, flute, recorder, whatever. I mean they've been doing that for yeah um, you know, centuries um uh thousands of years probably um and what they do is they just blow for a while and when they come to when they run out of breath they go do a quick little in breath and then keep playing this one is um the opposite you know i just play away and as soon as when i get full i just do a quick out breath and then keep playing yeah. so yeah you know, that's not actually a problem it's that's... just you know the reverse of a, what you do on a saxophone
0: that's interesting so brendan you and some, some of my th- listeners might be interested to know i did um speak with the carnatic violinist in the series last year uh S- southern Ind- uh, indian and also um an art an arhu player as well and oh wow uh, very recently a Kamancha player so i try to really um yeah all kinds uh-huh. of musicians and styles and actually because of when i was researching you wow. because of your um really cool bulgarian album mm-hmm. and what is the name of that musician the uh, gadulka player georgi petrov you know i was looking at um you know that whole style of music which i have I've always loved, and then mm. I was looking into uh, speaking with a gadulka player, which is the Bulgarian violin. It's just so interesting to me.
2: Mm.
1: Those um, uh, Balkan musicians are just so high level. I mean, they. I mean, we think we're quite clever in the West. You know, if we play, um, you know, a couple of odd time signatures, but they live and breathe. You know, sort of um, irregular meters. You know, like seven, five, nine, 11, 13, 15. You know, it's just like their mother's milk. They just um, do them. Uh, I remember when I first met Georgi, um it was really my first um, exposure to, um, you know, things like seven, eight and whatever. Uh, but I was sitting next to him. I was in the river dance show. Uh, the, the band for the popular um, dance thing, you know, the river dance show that happened um, in the late um, 20th century, early, early 21st. So we were sitting in, in the band for a, about a year or two together. Oh, yeah, two or three years we we toured together and, um, you know, he'd play after the gig and, um, you know, listen to the music and it was just so um, alien, um, but also very enticing and really interesting. So over time, I, I um, asked him more about it and he explained more and um, I went over to Bulgaria and um, got to know some of these amazing Bulgarian musicians. I mean, I, I'm just, um, you know, scratched the surface, really. But I I did get a, you know. Um, sort of a, enough of a feeling for it that I composed a tune or two in a, in a, you know, Bulgarian style. But yeah, I've got so much respect for those guys because not only can they play amazing Bulgarian music, you go over there and they play incredible rock music jazz and all the, all the, all the other stuff that we, we are used to as well, classical music. So then I think, um, yeah, amazing musicians, those Balkan musicians.
0: Yeah. So you started tinkering and inventing almost as soon as you started learning the harmonica from what I understand.
1: Yeah, correct. Um, I've just got that kind of. Uh, <laughs> um, I, mean, I guess some people are like that, aren't they? They want to pull things apart, see how they work. So, um, yeah, pretty was you know pretty you know soon after I started playing, I f- started figuring out that oh, it's those reeds that make the sort the sound, the little free reeds, and that um, if you you know you could file the end of a reed and it would go higher in pitch, or you could put weight on the end, it would go lower in pitch, and that means I could alter the tuning. So quite quickly I was doing things like that, um, changing tunings, um, you know, within a year or two of starting to play. And that that makes a huge difference to um, what the stuff you can play on a, on a harmonica and also how well you can play it for a particular style. So I now, you know, have, use um, harmonicas many, many different tunings.
0: Yeah, and actually, um, so we started with the Asia Bend harmonica. So you were doing Taoist studies at university when you discovered the harmonica. And you didn't have any kind of music background. I find it so fascinating that you just became so absorbed.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it was um, like a, what a, they call it, a Damascene moment, wasn't it? You know, the, when you um, you just something hits you. And um, yeah, I went to this concert, um, Sunny Terry and Barney McGee. Someone dragged me along because it was free. And um, I'd never heard of them before. But, the you know, for any of your listeners who don't know them, they were two great um, blues um players from you know an earlier era i mean i think they i saw them in 76 and they were probably in their 60s by then um or 70s maybe even um but they had sunny terry was blind played the harmonica in this most amazing way and brownie mcgee a great singer guitarist <laughs> funnily enough by the time they'd um by the time i saw them they were really not They didn't want to, they hated each other, basically, (laughs) as many of these um, long-term duos go, and, um, you know, they were on opposite ends of the stage, and, um, you know, um, they'd make sort of snide remarks about each other to the audience, but they didn't actually talk directly to each other, and Brownie would play tricks on Sonny, where, you know, Sonny was blind, and he had his harmonicas in a kind of a belt around his waist, so Brownie would start a key in a certain tune, and Sonny would hunt around and. Know, find, eventually find the right one as soon as he got oh. the right one <laughs> Brownie would change key you know so Sonny had to go through the whole process again so there was all this kind of thing going on you know in front of the audience but when they I mean when they did play together it was just amazing mind-blowing and um, I was just so inspired by the sound of the harmonica I went out and bought one the next day and um, you know it was a whole yeah it, it just um, I don't know how those things happen in life but they that and I was 20 by that stage so pretty late pretty late yeah. to start um, start at it
0: like it, I was thinking, so you didn't grow up with that much music in the house, certainly not popular music. You didn't have a TV as I understand, but your dad had a workshop. So that part, huge part of your career as an inventor was, he influenced you that way?
1: Yes. Um, I mean, you know, it's probably one of those things you inherit in your genes. So he, he was a really um, fine metal worker, you know, had lathes and all sorts of things, quite big um, machines. I, I deal with smaller machines, but I've got that same uh, bent. And one of my brothers, Steve, is, is similar. Um, on my mother's side, she was more artistic. She um, painted and did um, batik and stuff. So it's a little bit of that as well. Um, you know, I love calligraphy and things like that. But yeah, we definitely something from my parents, um, you know, is transferred into what I do now. And
0: your early days, went, so you were in Christchurch and then you went to Auckland, and you're just learning and starting to play with people but the scene there was pretty rich in terms of opportunities to play with different kinds of people
1: yeah i mean new zealand is uh it's a small country a long long way away from anywhere so um um you know there is there's definitely a scene it's nothing like the scene of course in the us or um britain or, or canada i guess but um you know there's definitely a, a you know a thriving music scene um but most of it uh, most of the musicians i suppose because it's um Partly we don't have our own long tradition, as you do, say in Ireland, where you know people grow up. There's been something going on for centuries. New Zealand's a young country, with incoming people have gone there from many many parts of the world, um, so we tend to just um, be like magpies, you know. We we um, listen to what's coming in, and um, you know, and 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 learn it. So most of the musicians there um, learn from you know, would have learned from records or CDs or or whatever from overseas, and. Um, um, most would play many different styles pretty well you know so you that's another thing about if you want to make a living as a musician in new zealand you can't really specialize too much in just one thing you know you have to be quite good at um, you know different things so that you know you can get enough gigs to, to survive but yeah there was a very thriving scene certainly in auckland in the early 1980s or throughout their whole 80s it was really uh, lots and lots of gigs and uh, you know lots of opportunities to play and also did quite a bit of studio work I started to do some studio work there mm-hmm. as well
0: so when you were first learning by yourself, you you really didn't know what you were doing, from what I understand. You were kind of doing things wrong?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea, you know, what a, really what a scale was or um, a tune. Cho- so, yeah, I it was just totally from scratch. Um, even now, I you know, I've never learned to read music, um, so I just do things by ear. Um, but I've learned enough about music theory in terms of, um, you know, what chords are and why certain runs sound good over certain chords you know how but i I don't um i don't think in terms of the names of notes i sort of think in terms of numbers you know a bit like the nashville system so um you know if you've got a scale you know you've got your mm-hmm. one you've got your three you've got your five those are the main notes so everything's some numbers for me um well i'm not thinking numbers really um you know explicitly but that's how i um relate and also with the harmonica I mean basically certainly with the diatonic harmonica I mean you've got one harmonica for every key so if you were trying to think right okay D sharp now is that whole five draw or is that so on one harmonica it would be whole five draw but on another one it might be whole seven blow so you know it's really in some ways thinking about um, note names is actually really um, difficult whereas if you think more numbers then the numbers transfer from every harmonica um, one harmonica to the other so your one is always in hole two or hole five or whatever so that's how i think of it but um yeah i mean i i, I really admire people who can read music um though i've met some people who can read brilliant music and it sort of almost inhibits them play, from playing freely they need to have uh, a piece of paper in front of them or they, they literally yeah. cannot play a note i mean i've met people like that quite a few which i think is terrible um on the other hand i've met other people there's plenty of people like myself who can't can't read a note (laughs) and we 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 miss out in many ways ourselves but we sort of find our own ways i think the best is the people who can read but also can play by ear um you know that's the really the the best so um,
0: you've you were um when you moved to london you did a lot of studio recordings you've been on major uh, movie soundtracks and written soundtracks so how did that process work uh, since you're not a note reader would they give you a recording to listen to i guess
1: good question yeah, mostly they'd give, yes, they they would give me a recording to listen to beforehand, and then I'd um sort of uh you know get a, a feel for it, um I mean, yeah, so um and also I, I write might write things out in sort of a primitive sort of tab as well, you know like um you can actually with harmonicas you can um mm-hmm. there's a, a sort of a tab system a bit like um, guitars you know where you can instead of notes you can say, yeah, whole three draw it whole three with an arrow going down, so I'd write out a few. Um, basic ideas like that, but I couldn't actually read sight read them. It would more just mm-hmm. as an aid to memory or something like that.
0: So you became very well known as an Irish player, which is interesting. It's not exactly in the tradition of Irish music to have a harmonica, and you won these this championship, I think in nineteen
1: ninety three. Yeah, I mean, I came over to the British uh, to Britain in nineteen ninety two, and um, I'd already been playing some Irish music because of my my grandfather's um, Irish and my dad had some Irish records at home so I heard the music as a kid even though I didn't play it but then after i had been playing blues for a bit I I started to try and play some of these Irish tunes that I'd heard um, you know at home so by the time I got here I I was playing I had a small repertoire of Irish tunes and I was you know just playing them on the harmonica and i sort of tuned up harmonica especially for it Um, and uh, then I heard about this thing called the All-Ireland competition which is kind of an annual um, gathering of um, Irish traditional musicians and there's categories in each instrument Uh, I guess a bit like they have in um, you know um, sort of bluegrass kind of things but this is a a national competition and uh, there's um, sub competitions in all the countries that have Irish um, diasporas around so in Britain there was a you know there's an Irish quite a big Irish community so I went into the all England one and um, went into the harmonica area and sort of won that. But then there was some muttering behind the scenes and some complaints from the other uh, musicians because I was playing a harmonica with a, uh, if find one here, um, with a button on the end, you know, the um, chromatic harmonica. So um, So I could do little, you know, little trills and things like that, which they weren't able to do on their diatonic harmonicas. And they said, but he's cheating. (laughs) So um, I got shifted into the miscellaneous instruments category. Um, And that was really bizarre. I mean, there was people with banjos with, you know, huge long neck banjos, um, melodicas, um, hammered dulcimers. So I was in that area. And but uh, anyway, I won that and then I went to Ireland and won the miscellaneous instrument category on my um, chromatic harmonica so yeah that was um that was a funny episode and
0: what was it like being in the the scene in London it must have been very frenetic with being uh, doing a lot of studio recordings um
1: yeah I mean I was playing gigs Uh, I was more playing in the folk scene in Britain than um, playing gigs Mm -hmm. in London I mean I had I did play some gigs in London um, but I was more touring around and playing in folk festivals mm-hmm. around around Britain, Ireland, but Europe. And so that was really um, more I was more in that touring folk area than um, london-based um, pubs. Most London gigs are pubs yeah. basically, um and they tend to focus on things like popular music, pop rock, um things like that. so I wasn't really yeah. doing a lot of that.
0: Um I noticed you' you've played with several um really famous musicians including Sting on his uh, 10 Summoners Tales album, you're featured along with Larry Adler.
1: Yeah. So, Mm. yeah, that's um, just out of the blue. I mean, I'd only been in Britain about six months and I I sent off a cassette to various, um, you know, um, I looked up in the, um, you know, who's who in the music scene, Um, you know, in terms of um, record companies, sent off cassette at that time. Um, early 90s, um, of you know, some demo bits and heard nothing back, you know, and um, really, you know, it was um, money was running out and things weren't happening. I was thinking, oh, maybe it's time to go back to New Zealand. <laughs> and then I got a ring and said, you know, Sting wants you to come and play on his record, you know, which is kind of like from, um, you know, from nothing to, you know, a, a, an international superstar. So anyway, um, he picked me up in his car, we went down to the studio and um, you know, I did a bit of playing and then um, I ended up playing uh, on a, um, a video, um, you know, a recording for for the album Ten Summoner's Tales. And it's one of his, he's got houses all over the world, you know, Italy, America, uh, one in a really nice one in London. And then a lovely um, homestead in Salisbury, um, you know, where the near uh, mm-hmm. where Stonehenge is. And um, so anyway, I went down there for a few days and played with these extraordinary musicians like David Sanchez on keyboards and Vinnie Colliota on the drums. Uh, Sting, and um, so yeah, that was uh, quite a you know amazing um, you know change of pace from uh, being um, you know nothing happening at all to suddenly that happening. But it was only a, a limited period of time while they promoted the album. Did you okay. get
0: to meet Larry Adler?
1: Um, I met him um, actually um, in a in a different context, but not in that context. Unfortunately, by the time I um, um, by the time I went to Salisbury. Mm i think larry was pretty ill and he couldn't go and so i ended up playing um a track that he played on the on the on the album i forget the name of it now Uh, but anyway it's it's a lovely track that he plays on the album but anyway i played on that on the on the video and saw it because i think he was i'm not yeah i can't remember but he definitely he couldn't be there for you know i think health reasons
0: yeah It was interesting when I was researching that album, I was saying, who else was on this album, you know? And I saw that it's just a small little footnote, but for violinists, Simon Fisher played. And he's super famous as a violin pedagogue. He's written tons of books. So for any classical violinist, they would probably know that name, Simon Fisher. That was interesting. And this um, CD in 1994 is documented as the first item sold on the Internet. It's just one of those little facts that came up. (laughs) But, oh, that was interesting.
1: Wow. That's
0: a... And you're yeah, kind of an yeah. early adopter mm. of. Wow.
1: You mean as a streaming. Uh, no, as, not as, as, as a download.
0: download. I believe it was purchased on the internet and shipped. That was my understanding. It was first because um, it was 1994. Maybe I have to check the facts, but it was said it was the first item securely purchased yeah. over mm. the internet. So I don't know if it would have been a download back then because that would have taken 10 days to download. Yeah. Maybe it was just the transaction. No,
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You mean when you say the first item purchased on the the, the first item of any I kind? Think I think I read like, this um,
0: Dolls on Wikipedia. Or
1: flowers or first yeah, item of any kind. Yeah, I have to double
0: check that, but that's mm. what I I read. Mm. We were talking about Irish music, and I really love the recording you did with Lucy Randall, the the Boran player. It's really so beautiful. Mm. Could you play an, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she's great. Could you she's play fantastic. an Irish
0: tune for us? Actually, would the, would you be willing to do that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm just trying to think. Um, okay, so um,
0: maybe
1: a jig. Maybe a jig going into a reel. So. Um, Uh, two Irish tunes. That, that was—I don't know if you picked that up. Um, I think. Oh, is it? Um, second one is called the Corner House. Um, I can't remember the first one, but um, they were in two sort of really um, popular time signatures. You know, the jig, which is six-eight. <coughs> that's a, that's the jig, and then the reel, which is more like two-four. <coughs> you know, that kind of, so those, um, those were two different, uh, types of tune. I mean, normally you'd play each one three or four times before going into the other one, but, um, yeah. I just so, yeah, can put them one, one time each. And then the structure of them is normally, yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Um, I was wondering, like you have a 3d printer. So in terms of the, um, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, customizations you can do for your customers. It's not just your own harmonicas you've developed, but you also do custom work
1: yeah um for yes i do you know you can do all sorts of things to um uh, with harmonicas amazing amount of things um but um retuning is is, is one obvious thing all my harmonicas are um uh, in alternate tuning so i'm really good at um retuning harmonicas um most people um play in a couple of there's a two stock tunings like the chromatic normally comes in a particular tuning called solo tuning um and um then the diatonic often comes in what's called Richter tuning. So probably 90% or 95% even of players in the world play in just in those two tunings. That's all they they, they um, know and are interested in. But there is a sort of probably a growing interest in alternate tunings. Um, and so one of the things I was doing when I was doing that work was, you know, to retune them. And then you can also make them work a lot better um, by um, yeah, I'm doing fine intricate reed work under under a microscope, you know, just to get the the reeds um, passing through the slots with finer tolerances, um and I was also doing more radical things like chopping harmonicas up and making smaller and bigger ones, and and stacking them up one on top of the other, so you know all that kind of thing. To be honest, um these days I do I do des- I've learnt CAD design, and I. Um, and I can make far more interesting complicated and interesting um, harmonicas but I'm i more um do that sort of stuff for um my own pleasure and for trying to make you know strange new harmonicas that that I can play I'm not sort of so um um doing custom work for other people hand work for other people um yeah. so much anymore
0: Um so the, we started talking the with Asia bend harmonica at the beginning of this conversation and the harmonica it descended from an ancient Chinese instrument, right? Like the the shang, or how's it pronounced? The
1: yeah, the the free reed, um, the free reed principle, if you like. this where you've got this vibrating reed. I don't know why they call it a free reed because it's actually fixed at one end. But this mm-hmm. reed vibrating through a slot. Um, it's really ancient. I mean, the the you know what, the jaw harp or what used to be called the jew's harp. Um, you know, that's a free reed instrument. And you've got a whole family of those kind of things in Asia. So. That whole um, thing came from um, Asia, maybe China, um, and it was really only in um, the ni- early 19th century that um, those free reed instruments um, started to become made in a um, Western form, like the harmonica, accordion, concertina, bandonian, all that whole family of instruments is all yeah, essentially based on, an, on, on a far older um, free reed family from, from you know, Asia, East Asia.
0: So Hohner was a, a watchmaker, and I think I was reading, I think it was um, before him, there was like a trend in Germany that men wore these harmonicas as like uh, like jewelry. They were like little wrist ornaments before it became a thing. And I think, like, did you read that? Did, have you heard that history?
1: No. Hmm. No. no.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah, That they were first developed um, to tune pianos, like around 1820. And then after that, it became like a little ornament. And then Honer, like a man's hand bracelet. And then after that, he developed it into a, in a real instrument. So, yeah, I was I was really fascinated. Um, mm. I was wondering about the, the iPad. You had mentioned about using it in different ways, but I know you use it with harmonicas to get cool effects that are... Uh, freely available to people i've seen some of your videos um can you show us some of that today or would that be too complicated uh
1: it's, it'd be too complicated today i'm sorry to say um it's, it's all in another room yeah um and it's um tied sure. to, yeah so I, I couldn't really um uh, but yeah the the ipad i don't know if you've ever explored one for music yourself
0: or... i haven't
1: oh. okay <laughs> oh well i would really recommend it it's it's an incredible music machine i mean for um not just you know could be whatever music you're into but there's a huge number of amazing apps um i use it mostly for um well various things um looping is one there's a great um, looping um, app in there um but um also through using a midi harmonica again i don't have that um in this i'm just sitting in my kitchen right now so i don't have all that stuff with me but Mm -hmm. um uh there's a midi you know very midi harmonicas have come out recently and these are really interesting they um they have no reeds um, but they play um with they use breath sensors a bit like you know the ewi i don't know if you've heard of the um akai ewi and various um windsets in the form of um, you know saxophones or whatever david uh, michael brecker was a great exponent of them um anyway um okay. now there's uh, midi just about everything there's midi recorders midi violins midi this midi that and midi harmonicas And uh, yeah, they're mind-blowing because basically you can just play any sound you like. And there's all sorts of amazing um, um, things they can do which traditional harmonicas can't do. So I've been enjoying exploring that. And the iPad is actually my main um, interface. So I just plug in my MIDI harmonica into the iPad. And there's a whole bunch of apps. You're a cello player, I believe. Is that right?
0: I'm a violinist.
1: Oh, sorry. Sorry, Leah. Okay. Um, Well... You would be amazed by this. um, uh, um, Have you heard of Swam, uh, Audio Modeling, uh, the Swam company, uh, the Italian company called Audio Modeling? No. Well, you'd be amazed. I mean, there's um, the the, the realism that um, you can get now from um, these. um, The company's called Audio Modeling, but the apps are called Swam apps. So you get Swam violin, Swam cello, Swam saxophone, etc. So, um, you know, the actual realism you can get from these things is just mind-blowing. And um, so, yeah, I've got – I really recommend yeah, you check it out. So, yeah, it,
0: What I really love uh, playing
1: that, that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's hard with the delay. Um, one of the videos I saw you were showing people was just a regular diatonic harmonica with effects on an iPad. It sounded amazing, mm-hmm. like you made it sound like a, an electric guitar, but just through these free effects. I thought that was – really generous of you because a lot of the stuff you're showing on your youtube channel is just to to help people out like how to tinker with their own harmonicas and open them up to make their own changes
1: yeah yeah i mean um i just get enthusiastic about a certain um thing and then um you know just um i think oh i bet other people so a few other people might be interested in this so sometimes i'll make a video about it but yeah um amplifying the harmonica as a whole um whole thing and um how to use effects and how to cut the microphone and stuff like that that's a whole um uh, what's the word Um, a whole scene i suppose so um and some people are you know just that's all they do they play amplified harmonica or um you know but you can get some amazing sounds just from the harmonica by putting it through guitar Mm -hmm. effects and it transforms the sound altogether, makes it sound huge like a saxophone so yeah I, i enjoy that as well
0: So when you started playing, you were playing blues because that was your first inspiration. And from what I understand, a re- like regular rickster tuning isn't the best for bending notes. Like it, it's kind of hard to do. Um,
1: it's a funny thing, actually, the way, way it all happened. I just wonder if I've got a harmonica I can demonstrate what happened. Yeah, so I think um, this one... So basically Richter tuning um, was devised by the Germans in the 19th century, okay, um, this was before, um, you know, uh, blues had been, well, maybe it was being played uh, by the African Americans, but before the recording age, so no one else had heard it really, um, and it wasn't a thing. So you know, it was the harmonica was designed before all that, but they came up with a thing called Richter tuning. So it's got two chords in the bottom. So it's- So you just get a blow chord on your out-breath and you get a um, uh, an in chord, uh, you get the, the tonic chord on your out-breath and the dominant chord on your in-breath. And so this is the bottom octave of the, of the harmonica, now it's not really intended for playing melodies, it's purely for chordal accompaniment, so in the middle octave you've got your um, melody notes, so the idea is to play out of one side of your mouth, slap your tongue off the bottom end and you get chordal accompaniment. So so roughly, sort
2: of.
1: So that's how the Germans, <laughs> um, you know, intended the harmonica to sound. But what happened was, you know, it was a small instrument, cheap, um, and it got disseminated widely in the millions around the world. And the African Americans picked it up. And they discovered that if you played it essentially in the the wrong key, if you played it in the dominant key instead of the home key, all your main notes were draw notes. And they could all be bent. So, you know, the tune like Mary Had a Little Lamb instead of going,
2: it
1: would be more. So, you know, just a totally different flavor. Of course, they wouldn't play Mary Had a Little Lamb. They'd be... Uh...
2: <coughs> <coughs>
1: they play more sort of bluesy sort of stuff on it. But um, it's a pure accident of, um, you know, history and um, a clash of cultures or something that the whole blues harp style eventuated on the harmonica. But getting back to your question... Um, There are certain limitations from the from the Richter tuning that the early tuning that um, uh, mean that only a small number of notes can actually be bent this sound there's only you know there's 20 reeds and only eight of them can be bent so a big part of my um you know um tinkering history has been trying to bend more notes um, because i love the, the sound of bent notes and the expression you can get from them um so yes, the Richter tuning is great. It turned out to be amazing for um, blues, even though it wasn't designed for blues. But it still has some limitations, and um, yeah, I, I really uh, uh, love to try and you know expand what the harmonica can do.
0: So you developed this Patty Richter tuning early on, that made it yeah better.
1: That's um that that was one for Irish music um and basically um like on on this harmonica this is pure Richter so you've got
2: you've
1: got two notes the same in the bottom octave those two are um you know this that note is in each chord so you have two notes the same but for um playing irish music um it's much easier to um uh, So this is a D harmonica, so now instead of um, two notes the same as they would be on this one, I, I change one of them to and that note makes a big difference. So that's a note that I put in there, I changed one of these ones, I've just brought it up to there. You can get it on a normal harmonica, you have to bend down to it, so it doesn't exist on the harmonica, but you can bend another note down to it, but to try and play fast melodies using that bent note is really, you know, too difficult um, to do in tune and cleanly. So yeah, I just altered one note. And um, because it was, um, I was playing Irish music on it, and it was still mostly in the Richter tuning, I called it Paddy Richter tuning. And that's become really quite a popular tuning now, Mm -hmm. it's used a lot um, for not just Irish music, but pop music, um, old timey music, um, you know, bluegrass, etc.
0: Yeah, I'm curious, most serious harmonica players, how many harmonicas do you estimate they might own?
1: um well if you do get into it you need at least 12 because just one for each key and then um you know this then there's um sad cases like myself who <laughs> um have lots of different tuning so you know I've, I've probably got a 50 harmonicas in my case that i carry around um but that's probably a bit extreme um but most would you know any pro harmonica player if you look in this case probably you've got about 20 at least
0: for beginners, would it make sense to just get a chromatic harmonica and be able to play all the notes?
1: Um, That's a good question. Um, Well, the answer to that is yes and no. (laughs) Um, Chromatic harmonicas are are great, um, and they do have all the notes. And, um, you know, some people like um, Toots Thielemans and Stevie Wonder and quite a few classical players do amazing things with chromatic harmonicas. But um, they're there's a thing. There's these things on harmonicas called valves, um, wooden savers, and what they do is they isolate reeds from the others. And the whole point, um, the whole way you get this kind of um, this thing that I do in the Asia bend. you know, that bending sound, that's that's called interactive reed bending. So basically, it's it's what happens when you get a blow reed and a draw reed and you get an interaction between them. It's really um, quite fascinating on a uh, technical level. It was only really worked out what was going on by in the 1980s, even though people had been bending notes, but you get the sound between the two It's called interactive reed bending. And that's one of the most appealing and um, soulful sounds of the harmonica. Now on a chromatic harmonica, you can't get that because um, the, um, the, these valves isolate the, the reeds from each other. So even though you can play all the notes, you can't really play them with as much, you know, guts and soul as you can as, on a diatonic harmonica. Depends what you want to play. If you want to play um, pure, um, you know, clean notes um, without too much inflection and you want to play maybe classical music or whatever, definitely the chromatic is the one for you. If you want to play a bit more um, earthy, um, soulful music, um, you know, I'd recommend a diatonic and then maybe or even you can you can you can mess up, you can mess with the chromatic harmonica and make it sound more earthy and diatonic, which is what I do with mine.
0: Okay. What do you do to achieve that?
1: Well, one of them is to take the valves off, you know, these, these little wind savers. I take half of them off. That's one of the things that I've, um, I'm probably, I came up with that in 1980 and, and a lot of people, um, do that these days. Um, here's a this is a chromatic harmonica, it's quite an interesting one, some people say it looks like a mobile phone, it's actually made by the Hohner company, you know, the ones you mentioned um, back in the day, but I'll just show you, so this one pulls apart, so there's a there's a slider there, which is um, it's a it shifts your air around, and this one just pulls apart, so here are the actual reeds, you can see them there, and um, there's blow and draw reeds, the ones you can see on the outside are the actual draw reeds, and the blow reeds are the ones set inside. And you can see there's no valves on the outside, so that's that's what I've done. I've pulled all those off, and it means I can now unbend the the notes like on a on a blues harp. Um, That's good. Um, So now this this um, this chromatic this chromatic harmonica that was a um, you know a fairly you know maybe in my opinion a little bit of a stiff sounding instrument now I can bend. So um, you know for instance a chromatic scale. Um, Normally you have to go with a button, you know, and that's how you'd normally play it on a chromatic. Now I can go, so I can actually, you know, get the the in-between notes, so I can bend them as well as play them with a slide. So now it's a much more... um, So it's now more of a soulful um, instrument, in my opinion. So that's what I do. One of the things I do.
0: Thanks for showing us. And you, in terms of your um, experimentation that you're doing now, it's, what are you? Are you willing to reveal some of the stuff you're trying to do?
1: Yeah, um, sure. I mean, I well, I I just put out a harmonica. I don't have one, an example with me now, but it's called the slip slider. And um, I mean, this is a, it's -hmm. a a way to give the diatonic harmonica more bends. And um, this one here, Mm -hmm. um, it's a shape shifter really. (laughs) Um, In order to get more bends, you have to have different note interactions, you know, this blow draw interactions that I was telling you about. So so for instance, in this hole here, you've got this, (laughs) and that's the blow note, and then you've got the draw note. And you can bend the high note down to the low note, as I told you, but the low note can't bend. So what I do is I've made a harmonica where you can actually move a lower note. That one there, that draw note there, I can actually move that physically up to um, the same hole as the blow note. And then suddenly I can bend that blow note and I can move that both ways. So that's called the slip slider. So. This one is I'm just demonstrating with my thumb, but uh, one of the real ones, actually, um, the whole harmonica slides from left to right. And that's that's something that allows you to get more notes. Um, a thing that I'm working on for my own um, use is to try and get a, some sort of hybrid between the Asia bend and the normal diatonic. So it plays like both of them. You know, you can actually switch between them and sound like each, depending on how you're feeling just by pressing a slider. And that's quite a tricky one to make, but. It's one that really um, appeals to me quite about quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of little areas and, that I'm working on at the moment.
0: And some of your harmonicas have extra bass, which is really cool. And some are double.
1: Um, I have made double harmonicas. Yes, I, um, I don't have any with me right now. Um, but uh, yes, you, um, the harmonica's got a fairly high range. I mean, on the, the lowest harmonica is a C three note, um, you know, which is. Um, the, the deepest note on a four octave chromatic harmonica and I think that goes up to about c7 or something like that ish you know it's four octave range um so if you want to go down below c3 um you know into the more um you know bottom end um it's the reeds become really sluggish you know they, they don't respond quickly so I've started making harmonicas using accordion reeds which are much bigger and louder and um so I've got a few <laughs> sort of hacked up Prototypes with these huge accordion reeds in them, and they 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 do play a lot better in the in the bottom end. I mean, another way to go is simply use um electronics, you know, and um, use pitch shifters and things like that, mm-hmm. which can sound very effective as well. And it's actually much easier in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> do you use effects on your um, violin?
0: I I don't. Um, I'm really I'm a classical player and. Um, I'll actually be interviewing very soon uh, Tracy Silverman, who's d- d- uh, one of the people who developed the six-string violin, and um, we'll be talking a lot about that with him. But yeah, yeah, it's a it's a different world for me. I'm I'm thinking yeah. harmonica is used in a lot of rock bands, and are people mostly now using MIDI now that they have that accessible?
1: No, not many people are. I mean, one of the big drawbacks with the MIDI harmonica is that you can't get um, interactive reed bending. There's no reeds in it. It's just these okay. breath yeah. sensors yeah and they don't respond to i mean the way you get this um bending notes is by um altering your um your vocal tract your embouchure I don't think I'm cheap. my jaw drops down and, and various um, you know you get all sorts of stuff going on in your in your vocal tract to make the reeds bend that just has no effect on a on a breath sensor <laughs> so you can't get yeah. that kind of sound you know you have to use um pitch benders you know with fingers and things and they're not really um that um you know that responsive so to be honest there isn't no there's not a lot of interest um so far in midi harmonicas I mean there's a niche interest um but um yeah they're not however great they are they they do um lack that um, immediate um bending expression Mm -hmm. that you it's a big part of the harmonica's um appeal
0: you were just saying in the vocal track. So, is the larynx actually activated when you're playing to some extent?
1: I I, I don't know. There are there are some um, couple of um, sort of X-ray videos on YouTube with, of people playing harmonicas, and there's all sorts of stuff going on with. So, yeah, I, whether the larynx is activated, I don't know, but certainly. Um, your mouth um, chamber shape and everything and your tongue movement is, is huge amounts going on uh, same with singing yeah. I mean you know like they've done people singers in MRI um, put them in an MRI scan and opera singers and then do their thing and it's mind-blowing what's going on in their mouth you know so uh, yeah the harmonica is very similar there's an mm-hmm. awful lot of um, fine tongue control embouchure change, changing and I mean it changes throughout the range because when you bend a, a low
2: note
1: you have to use a very big mouth When I bend a high note, it's much more of a small mouth. So as I go up through the harmonica, my mouth um, shape and everything is is changing a lot. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, but most of us don't even know what we're doing because we can't see what we're doing, you know, so that's...
0: (laughs) Yeah. So to end, I was just wondering if we could circle back to your early days when you are just learning the harmonica and you were... Very poor, right? You were shoveling coal and sleeping on friends' couches.
2: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Looking back
0: at your life then, is there advice you would give yourself or or things you could say (laughs) to your younger self just starting out?
1: Good point. Well, I mean, it's such a different world then. I mean, you know, we're talking the um, late 70s, you know. um, Nowadays, um, you know, People, I think people are in far better situation in terms of learning. I mean, there's just, you know, the YouTube, it's just yeah. an incredible resource for learning. And I had nothing like that. It was all just, um, you know, I was living in the back of Beyond in New Zealand and, um, you know, there was just the odd record that had some harmonica on. Um, so to try and transfer. Um, when you say that my younger self back in 1976, what would I tell myself then? I think I did everything I could at that time. I mean, um, but yeah, I, I, if I were growing up now, I think I'd have, fi- you know, I definitely have way more um, stuff to um, to access in terms of learning. I could probably learn a lot faster um, just because, I, for instance, mm-hmm. um, the way you play the harmonica, there's several different um, embouchures. There's a, what's called tongue blocking. And then there's a, um, what I do is called lipping. And there's another one called, um, what's it called? Where you... You actually roll your tongue and play through a rock. That's how I started I did this rolled tongue thing because I could get a single note easier. It was only after about a year or two, a year and a half that I found I couldn't do quite a few what some of these blues players were doing. And I realized there must be something I'm doing wrong. What, what was it? So then I tried experimenting with other embouchures, discovered, OK, if I do lipping, which is just, you know, using your lips without the tongue on the harmonica, certainly I could play way more stuff. So I probably would have picked that up within five minutes. Um, nowadays.
0: <laughs> were there, I guess what I was partly thinking was there, there must've been times where you were tempted to give up. Um, but you're obviously so persistent, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I just got obsessed, you know, and, um, uh, totally driven. So, um, no, I, I never thought of giving up really. Um, Okay. so yeah I mean despite despite the fact that it was a, a you know a hand-to-mouth existence you know um, for many years um, I just I was just tunnel vision
0: <laughs> well thanks so much for um, sharing all your uh, your perspectives and your, your beautiful playing with us today and um, is there anything I, I didn't ask you about that you'd like to talk about with in relation to your your business or your teaching or your, anything at all?
1: Um, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything. I'm, I'm just really, um, thank you so much for getting in touch. And um, it's really nice to know we've got a friendship with Jenny Rothfield in common. I'm really sorry about the um, the technical side of today. I know it might come out a little bit stilted with the delay. Uh, we couldn't avoid it really. Um, but um, I hope that won't um, put people off um, You know, watching the video anyway.
0: Yeah. I'll, I think I will just um, edit it so that some of the delays that we experience, they won't experience. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. We had some very spotty internet today, so I couldn't see you much of the demonstration. You were saying, can you see this? But actually for my podcast listeners, they also will not be able to see everything you're doing, but they can check out the video version, um, which should be clear. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. We battled through, didn't we, Leah? So thank oh. you so much uh, for getting in touch. Really yeah. nice talking to you. And, um, Um, I, I look forward to seeing it when it finally comes out and checking out some of your other ones as well.
0: Season one of this podcast had 20 episodes and season two continues with a really interesting mix of musicians talking about their lives and careers with perspectives on overcoming challenges, finding inspiration and connection through a life so enriched with music. Please follow this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about each new episode.